Hi, my name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. So it's not about food, and it's not about weight. What is it about? Everything else. Because it's never ever about food, or weight, never ever, not even, one time, not ever, ever, ever. Hello, this is Laura Lee. I am one of the founders of Beyond Hunger and one of the authors of the book, It's Not About Food. Also, many years ago, Carol and I decided to do these cards. We call them body love cards. And uh, there's 32 of them in a pack and they have a beautiful picture on the front that some wonderful artists drew for us. And then on the back, there is a description of what we're talking about today. Um, and then there's a today I will blah, blah, blah. So that's what we're going to talk about today, going along the Body Love Cards of It's Not About Food podcast. So the front of the card is a, is a spiral. That's the name of the card. And um, the little dog deer creature is kind of having one end of the spiral in his mouth and he's walking along the spiral and the goddess is sort of standing on the spiral and holding on to both sides. And really, it's such a beautiful image of what it feels like to work from the inside out, but also to be on that spiral of recovery. And I'll read what the book, what the card says, which is the recovery process is not linear, but rather like a spiral. As we begin our journey of recovery around the spiral, we will meet many layers of life experiences that trigger disordered eating and body hatred behaviors. Even though we are once again doing these same behaviors, we are not in the same starting point in the spiral. As we take each experience and use it as a building block in our healing, we move ourselves along the spiral when we are consciously working on our recovery. Every experience teaches us, giving us more strength and wisdom. Eventually, we develop more effective coping tools to deal with these life experiences. And the disordered eating and body hatred behaviors are no longer necessary. So obviously this takes as long as it takes to be in this place where we recognize we're on the spiral, that we haven't just gone all the way down to the basement or hit bottom or fell off the wagon or all of those things we hear in recovery circles. That um, part of the thing about having an eating disorder is there is a lot of learning and you have to really falter and learn from those those kind of hiccups that you go through. So I don't really think of any of my behaviors when I was trying to recover as slips. I think of them as just another growth experience, which I pretty much hated. <laughs> but I had to have a lot of compassion for myself to go through this. And even though it looked like I was upset or I about the same old thing every time, or I was having the same old stupid behaviors all the time that I hated, or I was really having a struggle time. 
if I really looked at it, I could see that maybe I wasn't in the behaviors for a year, but only for a month. Or I didn't hate myself for six months. I hated myself for six days. Or I overate everything for an evening, not for a whole week. Or restricted really heavily for six months. And so I, I realized that, I, that the t- I learned how to work myself out of these issues. And that was all I could really ask of myself is to keep going and to keep working myself through the spiral into a place where I just uh, felt more comfortable with myself, more comfortable with my food and more okay with my body. And I just kept trying to be on that sort of track. So today I have Susan with me and I'm going to have her introduce herself, but I've known her for a really long time and uh, I've just really loved hearing her talk about her different recoveries and modes and what she's been doing. And um, so I will let her introduce herself and tell you a little bit about her and we'll talk about the spiral. Great. Thanks for having me, Laura Lee. Uh, My name is Susan, and I have been um, working with Beyond Hunger um, pretty consistently for about 11 years now. It's kind of hard to believe. 2008, um, I went to a retreat down, a two-day retreat down in San Rafael. Um, So yeah, it has been a journey, um, and I think that's, that's kind of you know, kind of getting right to the spiral, I think that's kind of the important uh, thing to remember is that it is a journey, a continuing journey. Um, It's not in terms of, uh, I think you had referenced my recoveries. And I think, you know, if we're using the spiral analogy, um, it's important to realize that it's not even a clean spiral at times. It's like a, a bouncing zigzag spiral that bounces from one thing to another because I think you can never underestimate the um, ten- tenacity and the persistence of these um, sort of dysfunction, uh, d- dysfunctions and demons that try to get at us, you know, whether it be eating disorder or alcohol addiction or sex addiction or um money money you know compulsive shopping compulsive right. debting right. uh you know for some people it's gambling and um yeah you know just kind of an interesting thing to note even though we're here talking about eating disorder recovery um as my friend Dan used to put it, some of us zip line. And when we get <laughs> too wise to one of our dysfunctions or our, um, you know, dysfunctional behaviors or, or addictions or however you want to, to label it, when we get too wise to one of those, then we hop over to the other one. Yeah. So then, you know, the spiral can get even more convoluted. But, 3D. Um, 3D spiral, exactly. Like, it's, whoa, it's messy. Right. But I think that's why it's so important to um, have these tools of having this bigger perspective so that you know the nature of the beast that you're working with. Yes. And the spiral is such an excellent metaphor because the spiral is at least, even if it may, it may have some jagged little bumps in there, um, it is a continual pattern. And yeah. so, 
you know, I think um, in my own experience with with uh, eating uh, with an eating disorder, I think you know I can trace back to, uh, my uh, eating disorder behavior back to at least probably fourth grade, if not earlier. And you know, I think it was um, as, as you have often said, we were wise little girls. Right. You know, right. when you. Um, you know, we're in a situation where you didn't have a lot of control. You know, my situation, I grew up in a very, you know, strict religious family. Things were very black and white. There was a lot of pressure to be an overachiever. Um, and, you know, the the sort of the anxiety created by perfectionism was, was high because, um, you know, if you're kind of in a situation where one sin makes you a sinner or one lie makes you a liar, it is very oh. high stakes Right. To be completely perfect, it is, and your antenna is out very high and wide for right. any potential for mistakes that would have you falling short of that right. mark. So I think for me, you know, the eating disorder, the the food was a way to really comfort myself, yeah, and to try to kind of quiet these these little. You know these little. I think of the them the 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 anxiety demons as being like little gnat like creatures with little with little pokey sticks that are saying worry about something. You should be worried about something. Something's right. if something's not okay. The sky is falling. You should be worried. You should you know just constantly goading you. And right. so I think you know that food was the way I was being a wise little girl. It was something I had access to That's as right. a I don't know ten year old or whatever. Right. Um, we don't have enough money to go to the liquor store at 10 or yes yes you know we can't get to it and i think just to reiterate this point that you just made about if it it's not black and white whereas like if you eat a cupcake and you're not hungry and you're not supposed to eat a cupcake then what we get the idea that we should never eat a cupcake but of course it's not Food is not like that. It's not black and white. You can't give up food. We can't. We can give up alcohol. We can give up drugs. We can give up cigarettes. We can't give up other people. We can't give up money. And we can't give up food. And we can't give up our body. We have to get a relationship with them. And the only way to do that is to do this kind of, oh, that didn't work last time. And how can I help myself through this time? But it's not black and white. It's not, I can never have another fill in the blank. Right. You know, that's and the crazy part that we're taught. It does, it needs to be that definite where you can never have this again. Or you shouldn't be doing that. Yes. Whatever it is. And I think kind of our tendency, because we are in this um, this kind of sea change or paradigm shift of, of having this radical idea of having a healthy relationship with your body and what it looks like right. and what it's going to look like and what having a right. relationship with your food that is healthy and trusting your body. Oh, my right. God. Trusting your body oh my God, to tell can. you what to eat. It really goes against the, you know, the conventional wisdom of what uh, our society feeds us. You know, yeah. it's... it's and I mean, a lot of that has to do with, well, hey, you can't sell people something if they don't think something's wrong with them. Right. You can't get people to continue to buy these products <laughs> unless they have some hope, however false and illusory, that this magic bullet is going to work this time, yeah. even though it never did before. Right. But the, exactly. the, the shame of it is, is that like so many, I think in my black and white perspective as a young woman... Uh, if I if I didn't first succeed in having, you know, I had this idea, like many people do, that, well, if I can just get this 
perfect body. Oh, then yes. my life is just, oh, I'm going to have it all. Life that's the better. brass ring and that's the be all and end all. And that's right. all the doors will open. The I will have the world at my feet, right? And the so, heaven gates will open and shine down on all of us. Right. Yeah. And so instead of being, you know, going the path of sanity, of course, I went the extreme perfectionism route and, you know, I had, I got these, you know, right. 17 magazine or these youth magazines. And in those days, I, dear God, I hope they don't do this anymore. They would actually publish the height and the weight of the models that you would see. And so I would then set well, that as my standard of like, yeah. oh yes, I need to, if I'm going to be perfect, this is my standard. This is what I need to do. And then I would go after that with full force and make that kind of the, the outcome that all of my self-worth and happiness hinged right. upon. And knowing that, well, not knowing uh, what body you're supposed to even have. You know, a lot of us have been on diet since we were small. So I never had a, you know, since I was an infant, I didn't have a natural body size. I just had whatever size diet I was on or binging I was on. And so I didn't even know what that was when I finally got to a place where I went, well, I guess this is what my, my body's supposed to look like because I'm not jumping through a million hoops to keep it here. Right. But so if you pick something out of a magazine, first of all, I don't know that they, they didn't have Photoshop, but they certainly had a lot of different ways to make that model look the thinnest that she could look. And I would even not believe the the height and the weight either. Yeah, well, I mean, I think what I've since learned is, and, and this is no offense to uh, the dear women out there who are this one half of 1% who have of no body fat and are seven foot tall, but they are sort of genetic freaks in a way, right? Well, they're less than 5% of the population, right? but we see them 95% of the time, even still today, even with we know this creates body hatred and eating disorders and, they, and still they do it. And now with, with uh, Photoshop, it's even worse. A million times right. worse. Cause that's not even the woman that they have in front of them. That's a, a computer generated. It's a fantasy. Yeah. Non-existent. Right. Yeah. So yeah, it's not that somebody is a freak to look that way. It's not real. That right. person is, doesn't even look like that. Like Kate Moss has said, I don't even look like Kate Moss. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's just kind of fascinating what we will, how tightly we will funnel our um, our chances at self-worth and happiness into yes. some impossible, unachievable uh, uh, dream. And, you know, I think for years and years when I struggled, obviously, uh, you know, as you like to say, for every diet, there is an equal and opposing binge. Right. And but yet, you know, there goes back to that dysfunctional thinking that, well, I just got to throw more willpower at it. I exactly. have to just I just have to try harder and be be a better dieter. And it never occurs to you or at least it took me a very long time for it to occur to me that. Um, yeah, you know what? Uh, doing the same thing over and over and getting the same results, that's that's called insanity. Right. And right. that, you know, e right. even there at some point, really, I think the whatever point of clarity that came for me was, I think, recognizing, looking back, 
And, you know, and of course, when you look back, you think, oh, my gosh, I, I was fine. You know, why, what of was course. I even worried about? But recognizing that, my goodness, if I had just eaten like a normal person, eaten an, or an average sized meal for all of these years of my life, as opposed to going on some cucumber and cereal diet <laughs> and for weeks and then binging on every bag of chips or cookies that came and ice cream yeah. that came my way. Wow. If you average that out, right. I, you know, and, or if I just, just ate normally, I would probably be, um, you know, at a weight I would be happy with reasonably or and I would have the peace of mind and then finally it came to the point where the peace of mind tipped the scale where that you know the peace of mind you know screw it I'm never clearly never going to get this uh, fantasy body that I think I want peace of mind has to come first because it came to a point uh, there was one year where I had lost quite a bit of weight by doubling down big time i had i'd gotten a getting serious exactly i wrote down everything i wrote i knew the calorie counts of every single food i wrote it down i knew how many calories it took to support such and such weight i started titrating that number down i would i would (laughs) exercise to account for any i had pictures of what i wanted to look like and that experience, I think, was just so self-flagellating, so self-defeating, so like it was just a, a continual beating myself up Yes. that when inevitably, after I lost all that weight, and uh, guess what? Your body's like, oh, good, I'm out of famine. Thank I God. Know. I'm going to eat normal I food. Know. And, you know, I, I came back to a more normal weight. Um then I decided, oh, time to diet again. And yes. then the kind of the turning point was in the exact same visit, I was going to the grocery store to buy the Slim Fast right. to diet with. I was also picking up a giant carton of ice cream to exactly. binge on because it was like that that yes. diet binge, uh, you right. know, connection that that uh, I'll cause do and effect was instant. Right. I'll do the Slim Fast tomorrow. Because already, you yeah, know, the day is is done, even at two a.m. two right. p.m. So right. I'll start that tomorrow. But for today, I'm going to eat this ice cream because I'm never going to have it again. Right, never. So if we work ourselves out of that same exact thing that you're talking about, that so many of us have gone over and over and over, did you see yourself? going through that spiral of thinking about, you know, doing the slim fast and then not, or thinking about, not that there's anything wrong with slim fast or, or ice cream. It's just, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about that obsession to do both of them. So did you, have you seen yourself or did you see yourself get on a place where you went, yeah, this is, this way is not really going to work. So yes. let me do something. Yes. Different. Well, just to kind of fast forward through that process, there was a period of time where I just wasn't dieting and I didn't have anything to fill that void. And I, I did have some anxiety, but I was just like, I can't diet anymore. I'm just going to eat what I want. And then randomly, um, uh, I had to go on a work trip uh, to Cincinnati 
Um, because I'm also a compulsive spender, uh, even though I got a handsome per diem to use for food and, and, you know, incidentals for that whole trip, I managed to spend it pretty much all before I actually went to Cincinnati, since, <laughs> to Cincinnati. But well, I had well. been at Beers Books, um, a used bookstore locally, and I had picked up a copy of It's Not About Food. Ah. And I so happened to have that on, uh, uh, you know, with me on the trip. And because I really, you know, uh, in my spare time had no means to do anything, I found myself bored and stuck in a hotel room. And I'm like, well, I don't really want to read this book, but I guess I will. And it was sort of like, oh, this is kind of right on. This is exactly what what I, this is the missing piece because yes. I had already decided for my sanity, I just couldn't diet anymore. Right. But, you know, it was sort of all of these, you know, as, as the, the cards, the spiral, the concepts, the 10 um, principles, sort of all the underlying principles of sort of how I had arrived at this place and how I was not alone. And I mean, having those underpinnings is so huge because sometimes I think well, I know that one of the biggest problems when you have a eating disorder or another sort of uh, affliction of that sort is is feeling like you are totally alone, that you are a total weirdo, nobody else has this problem, that this is just yes. a particular slice of hell that has been yes. served up to you and no one else. And to be able to kind of have this window into the fact that, no, this is actually quite common. And and and, and for once, you're happy to not be special and unique. I you know. Exactly. You're like, oh, my God, there's a whole tribe of people That's right. that have lived this and done it and been there. Um, and I think the thing that is so encouraging about the spiral is because, you know, uh, the, the tendency, it's it's hard to get, it's you know, they say it can be hard to get away from how you're raised. And, and y- there's a tendency to go back to this black and white thinking and think, oh, I'm either sick or I'm cured. And That's to right. think of it in that perspective. And in fact, there are times where you can allow yourself to think when you're having a bad day, when you find yourself, you know, eating too much ice cream or whatever that you think, you know what? I just, this has all just been for naught. I have achieved nothing. I have come nowhere. This is all the same. But then if you just remember that, you know, this is a pattern. This is your mind sort of conveniently forgetting that this is a continual pattern. And then if you're able to actually look back at the expanse, the bigger meta 3D a universal galaxy vision of the spiral, you will see like, oh, this used to be a much tighter spiral. Like yeah. I used to um, I used to get upset and I would binge and I would binge for days or weeks yes. before some external, some who knows what thing would jolt me out of that rut, right? Right. right. Or, and then there was a point certainly where it became less, but it would still be days of yes. just being in that caught in that whirlpool right. kind of cesspool funk of back and forth and you know eating binging and then feeling terrible about that and then that making you feel terrible so then you got to binge some more and then right. never being this this intersection and so when I can look back on that I think oh wow you know that I have actually come a very long way like this yes. spiral has the, the circle of the spiral has grown very large such that it's really only once in a 
in a while that I find myself in that place. And I'm not really stuck there so long. Because you know you'll work yourself out of it. Right. That's what I think is so great about the idea of the spiral. We use the, the mountain. We also use the, you know, walking up this really treacherous mountain and having to go through streams and... Uh, hills and rocks and forge a new way as well as the spiral it feels like that we're just trudging along but um, the great thing about us is we can look behind us and see where we've come from and know that we're unless we die we have more to go so you know what I might feel exactly the same way I might have the same behavior in a year or two or whatever about something and I'll work, and I know that I'll work myself out of it because look, I have done that, and I'll those times get shorter, and so maybe I just think about going on a on a diet, but I don't, or I just think about going on a binge, and I don't, or I just think about hating my body and getting a bunch of plastic surgery, but I don't, <laughs> you know, yeah. I just think about it. Yeah, and we can't stop our thinking. It's, it's, you know, we're hardwired to be like this, I think, from the culture that we live in. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, the other thing that I think is. is really significant about the spiral is that, you know, if people, if you look at it in, I mean, I think there's a positive way to look at it or to look at it in the fact that like anything, people say that anything that's worth doing takes practice, right? Yes. And you think about how saturated we are in this culture yes. with diet mentality. I mean, you know, dieting and food being bad and feeling fat is, you know, the language that women speak to each other in many circles. You know, it's very sad. But we're so immersed in that that you got to think that's going to take some doing. I mean, you know, that's uh, uh, the good news, bad news, I guess, is that it's going to take some time and some practice and some doing to get out of that. Yes. Um, which is, you know, which is, is sort of the bad news, but the good news is, is that, well, that's to be expected because that's normal because that's, you are kind of fighting, we're like little salmon swimming upstream, uh, or worse than that. We're like teeny tiny fishes swimming upstream against sharks and, and schools of predatory fish that are trying to, that are trying to make us do their diet. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Or buy their product or whatever. And I think another thing that you're just saying here that is so important is that we can stop, we can stop that cycle for others when we know about it. So I know that you have a child, Mm -hmm. so you can give to your child what you've learned, which is not what you got. Right. It's a completely different thing. And then he can give that to his child when that happens and that child can give it so the that kind of a crazy abuse of you know believing that other people are right about our food or our bodies and not not accepting ourselves or not believing or having trust in ourselves that can stop that cycle can stop which is the only way that this is going to work right is to keep stopping the abuse Yeah, that's huge. And I'm glad you mentioned that because I also think just in light of this podcast and the work that you have done with group and with the book, I mean, I think that's huge because 
you know, which is why recovery groups work, which is yeah. why immersing yourself in the kind of, of thinking that recovery requires that is going against the stream is mm-hmm. you sort of there there might be if you if you're struggling with an eating disorder or you know some sort of dysfunctional behavior compulsive shopping you know is another one I deal with you you're not there might be plenty of people who care about you and love you but if they haven't walked that path and been in that place they're not necessarily going to be able to um, give you the information and the tools and the that's help right. that you need. That's and right. that's why it's so important to seek out, um, you know, folks who have been there, done that, walk that path, live to tell the tale yeah. can, can tell you, you know, with, 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 uh, assurances that there is a path out. You know, I did yeah. want to ask you, cause I know that you, you know, you, um, you often say, you know, complete, you know, recovery from an eating disorder is possible. And I believe, I definitely believe that. Um, I know that to be true. Um, but one thing I kind of reflect upon in the spiral again is, is that these, these little, these little pings and these voices and these things do, do come back. And that doesn't mean that you're not recovered. That's right. It just means you are wise to it. Like I kind of think about, when I get into a place of depression and, um, and now that I, that is also on a, uh, I have discovered, uh, is on a, a repeatable cycle. And now that I'm aware of that, I can deal with it. And when that, though, those kind of pesky, that pesky, you know, voice that's very doom and gloom and the oh, pit of despair comes. Like this. Yes. Well, now I can kind of regard that voice like a, mumbling person on the bus you know I like kind of I'm like okay I've got my eye on you I see you're there I'm not going to engage with you I'm not going to try to argue because that's just going to make it worse but I'm also going to keep my eye on you and make sure you don't get closer right and like get more dangerous to me you know and you know I feel like with a lot of recovery it's like that 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 those those little demons are going to show up again it's just those demons will always be there. It's just you know how to handle their lies. Exactly. At this point. Exactly. And bonus round, sometimes we can actually use them to remind us that we haven't been taking care of ourselves. So, for instance, if I'm going along my little life and I'm fine, thank you very much, and all of a sudden I start calling myself fat or old or stupid or, you know, these things that I used to call myself all the time, it's a red flag. Like, what is happening to me? Where am I? What am I doing? What? Where am I out of integrity with myself? What do I need? How can I help myself through this? How did that mumbling person get on the bus How and start inching their and way closer to, to me? me. Yeah, it's your <laughs> and then like in my, in my face, ear. you know. And so, what do I need to do? Well, get you know, get off the bus, knowing that I didn't get again. I didn't get. Uh, I didn't have a stroke, and that part of my brain left. That is always going to be there. It is so deep. Uh, I like to say that my mother had Alzheimer's, and at the end of her life, she didn't know who she was. She didn't know who I was. She didn't know who where she was. She didn't know anything about anything except she knew she was too fat. And she would say to me, can you believe how fat I've gotten? Mm -hmm. And I would look at her as a little tiny shrunken little person who was very ill, not fat at all. 
but know that that's how deep it went. Mm -hmm. And so I did not want to be like that. I just couldn't handle it if my whole life was about what size can I fit into. I just felt like I just can't do that. I just can't. So you are one of the pioneers, as am I, of, of saying, wait, you do not have to do this. You don't have to keep doing this, which is what we were taught that we had to. But we can say, no, we don't have to. So in that vein, if you think about some young girl in a um, family like yours and sitting there going, I am just messed up forever. This is never going to be okay. I'm never going to get any better than this. This is as good as it gets, I guess. What would you say to her to give her hope that things are not always lost, you know? Wow, that's a great question. Um, I think I would try to tell her that she does have more power than she believes. Wonderful. And that there, um, you know, you, even though it seems like you don't have a lot of power and control over your situation uh, right now, that really, um, I mean, everything in life, of course, is a mental game. And it's about, you know, uh, your mind in and of itself can make a heaven of hell or a hell of heaven and, and that sort of thing. And so it's, you know, it's really, um, you know, that there are tools out there and that there's a whole big world of people who have gone through what you've gone through and you're not alone. You're not a weirdo, uh, at least not a weirdo <laughs> right. in that respect. Right. Um, you know, um, like you're not going to, this isn't against you. This isn't a moral issue about you. Right. You have these thoughts or these feelings. Right. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think, um, you know, it would be hard for me to say this to this little girl because I don't think she would get it. But looking back on my life, I mean, I do think there's a reality in this being a gift in a way in terms yeah. of, um, you know, helping me find the path to what is real and true and important and you know, I do feel compassion. I feel frustration for them too, but I feel compassion for, you know, when I'm out, uh, you know, at e to eating somewhere and, you know, in the same breath that you know, I see a couple of women and they're attempting to enjoy a dessert, but really it's all dominated and polluted by their talk yes. about how terrible they are and how they're going to yes. have to go to the gym five times tomorrow. Yes. And at the same time, I want to tell them to just shut up so that I can enjoy my own food because <laughs> I'm tired of that baggage. Right. At the same time, I feel a lot of compassion because right. I recognize how many people are caught up yes. in that craziness who have drank the Kool-Aid and who are depriving them. I mean, there's, you know what, there's, there's so many things, uh, you know, even feeling very much recovered, uh, you know, from an eating disorder. There's so many other things in life that can, you know, trip me up and frustrate me. It's like, exactly. my gosh, you know, I, how thankful am I that I can enjoy my food and not feel weird or crazy or guilty about yeah. enjoying something delicious. And so, you know, I, I do feel like the fact that 
for whatever reason, it came to a head for me in a way that I guess it doesn't for some, and they just continue on this path of diet binge their whole lives. And, you know, um, that I was, have been able to make this recovery and that, you know, I have been able to hopefully, you know, I'm very obviously, you know, I'm um, happy to contribute to this podcast and I'm happy to get on my soapbox any and every day to anybody who will listen (laughs) because it's such an important thing. And I think, you know, that, that mental health component and being, um, you know, being a well person with something as basic and simple as the new, the food that you put into your body to energize you and keep you going. Food and body. Yeah. Just as simple as that. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I like going to the schools and talking about this issue because even with all the education about eating disorders and body hatred and bullying because of weight and everything else that goes with this, cutting and girls and boys being so upset about their bodies and maybe their parents go, I've had parents tell me, I don't know where she got this. I always tell her she's great. She's wonderful. I don't know why she, why she has an eating disorder. I, I, I named her Athena for God's sakes. Mm-hmm. And I, well, did she go outside ever? <laughs> because it's just there. Yeah. So Uh, That we, it's sort of like if you are in the culture that we are in and you're not starving to death in another, in another country, you know, Mm -hmm. but you're starving yourself to death in this country, there's a problem, you know. And so we have to be willing to get on our soapbox and we have to be willing to say, no, no, we don't have to do that. You have to, hey, I'm enjoying my, my dessert. You know, if you guys are just beating yourself up about it. Let me have yours and you leave. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know, it's not, this isn't about your brownie, for God's sakes. This is about your own self-hatred. Right. And it is kind of hard to have those conversations, but I feel like we have to. And many, many times we have to. Um, So that was great, what you were saying to this little girl that's going to you know, I know that there's a little girl out there going, I'm never going to get this one. I keep doing the same thing over and over again. And and it always blows up in my face. So is there anything else um, that you want to say about this or anything else that you'd like to put out mm-hmm. there in the world? I just think just the, you know, the analogy of the spiral is important and the fact that it's continuing to spiral out and that even... You know, there could even be spots in the spiral where you think, oh, I'm there's I've been haven't gone anywhere new or I haven't grown. Um, I think there's a way that you can look at it as in a very positive light as you are um, practicing. You're you're a warrior. You are um, practicing your strength building in gaining the tools and the strength to navigate life in general and navigate this crazy making society with its expectations and self-loathing and it being expected that everybody's on a diet and so forth that you're just continually strengthening yourself so it's not like you're just running away from something or trying to get rid of a problem but that you are strengthening yourself and you're becoming a warrior goddess um, that is going to continue spiraling out and 
getting new experiences and yes. um, ever strengthening and ever growing right. and moving outward. And so I think the other thing about the spiral is to recognize that it is a pattern. It's, it's moving, right? Yes. Because I think one of the, one of the things that keeps people stuck in a place is losing hope and thinking right. I'm going to be here forever. I mean, that's, that's right. a huge thing. Which with, is how we feel a lot of yeah. the and that's we're in this. Yeah, and that's a, a huge thing, I think. To with, remember to see before us and after us what we've done, where we've come right, from. Right. And I love what you just said. It's sort of like uh, being stuck in one place. That's what it feels like. But we're not. We're always changing and moving as long as we're still alive. There's hope for us to move through this whatever hard time that we're having about fill in the blank, whatever it is. Yeah. That's what I think is so beautiful about the spiral or the mountain or any of these. We keep moving through. Yeah. It's okay. And we need to do that. We stop, we die. Yes. You you and you have to keep that bigger picture in mind. Yeah. It's like seeing the the forest for the trees, except when you're in that that really terrible place, it's like you're down with the twigs, you know, That's you're looking right. at the bugs, yeah. larvae on the on the twigs leaf right. or something right and it's like no 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 this is not this this is not the same place you really were just expand your vision out you yeah. know take get exactly. the get the telescope we are right you're that's just a tiny blip on your spiral in the galaxy don't be right. obsessed with that little right. flea's hair there right. on that twig and to remember that this is why it's so important to get a community of people who are working as well like you are or trying to change or have been through it or whatever and that can give you a reality check when we forget oh I'm doing this again I'm always going to do this no actually remember that one time (laughs) that you didn't do this and you have come a long way to have those people around us that that with compassion and respect and love tell us that we're we're going to be you know we're We've moved, and whether we think we have or not, we have. Yeah, because that's the weird thing about your mind, anyone's mind, regardless of what you're dealing with, is that you can just, you can go off on some random path and find yourself somewhere with without even realizing it. And you can come to these really deep, profound truths that are life-changing, and you're like, yes, I've got it. Now, now I've got the truth and nothing will shake me, and then... Guess what? You can forget, forget that truth. It. <laughs> it's just amazing how that happens. Right. Yeah, write it down or to have people bring you back to that. Because yeah, there are times true. where I kind of go off on this tangent and I think, oh, I'm this, I'm one thing. And then somebody will say, oh, no, wait, remember that time? Look, yes. you wrote me this letter and how did it? And I was like, oh, wow, I did that? Right. Really? Oh, exactly. because here I was over here thinking that I was just a terrible person that never contributed anything to anybody. And then somebody's telling yeah. me about how I yeah. totally changed, did this wonderful thing for them that made yes. their day or their yeah. year or whatever. And so right. it's so important because right. we get we do get lost in the twigs and right. we need somebody to at least point out a lovely tree here and there right. if we can't zoom Especially back if to we see did the, forest. the tree or we are the yeah. tree. So I wonder if you will read this just for today that's on the bottom of that Mm -hmm. card, of the spiral card. Today, when I feel I have failed or feel like I am not making any progress, 
I will remember the spiral and all of the circles of growth that I have as a foundation beneath me. I will take my own hand and walk myself along my path. Oh, I love that image of taking our own hand and walk ourselves along the path or putting our arm around ourselves or Mm -hmm. telling ourselves that, I know, the little butterfly hug, you know, or say, good job, sweetheart. That wasn't perfect, but it was good enough. Which, you know, again, who who learned that? Who Who learned that? I didn't learn that. So I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today about this. Thank you. Can I add one more thing? Yes. Because now course. I just realized this is really what I would say to the little girl. I okay. would say that... What you have going on is um, you have, because you are a kid and you have grown people around you, you have not had much choice in the voices that have kind of taken up residence in your head. But you do have the opportunity, and one thing you can take control over is choosing which voices to listen to and seeing if you can find some good voices, some inspiring voices to transplant into your head. For example, the Laura Lee voice telling you to tell yourself, I'm sorry, I'm sorry this is happening and give yourself a a little butterfly hug um, is a good example. So, you know, seek out those voices that make you feel empowered and inspired and make you feel uh, better and in a better place and work on strengthening those voices. Yeah, I remember hearing the, I can still hear the first therapist that helped me with my eating disorder say, well, what else could you have done at that time? You didn't have any other resources, but now you do. But I didn't at that time. So you're exactly right. We have to remember that there are other people that can help us through these times. And the people around us may not be the best people to give us information. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, so thank you so much. Really appreciate you doing this. And uh, we'll sign off for now. Bye. Okay, thank you. Bye, namaste. Thank you for listening. And be sure and follow me on Patreon, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and it's not about food.com. Thanks.